Welcome to the Foxy Podcast, a bi-monthly show brought to you by Freeform Freakout. The show is produced at KMSU Studios in Mankato, Minnesota. And here on the Foxy Podcast, we try to dig deeper into underground and experimental sounds of the past and present. And welcome to episode number 205 of the Foxy Podcast show. Hope you're all doing well out there, wherever you're listening from. On this installment going to be focusing in on the work of the Melbourne, Australia-based label, Ramble Records. Over the past two years, Ramble has been rather prolific in their output, putting out a wide range of releases specializing in outsider music, guitar music, acid folk, avant folk, psych, free jazz, Indian classical, and avant-garde sounds from around the globe. Owned and operated by Mike Sill, a musician himself who records under the name The Man from Atlantis. The label has also branched out to include a mail-order operation that stocks various like-minded labels from around the globe that were previously unavailable in Australia. Recently had a chance to chat with Mike about various topics that included his background in making music starting in the 1990s his eventual return to music with The Man from Atlantis, his motivations behind starting and expanding Ramble Records, and some of his future plans for the label for the rest of the year. You'll hear that interview in a few different segments throughout the show, and you'll also hear track selections from various releases from the Ramble Records catalog, including some of the most recent titles. Before we get into that interview portion... I'm going to start things off with a short block of music, beginning here with a track from Kate Von Soak's album from last year called Al Moon. This is Silver Highway.
I, I know that your involvement in music goes back to the 1990s from from what I've read briefly and what I heard from a recent interview that you did and you had played in a few different groups during that era so I guess to start off would you be willing to maybe provide some details about your background in music maybe in terms of like formative experiences that you had in this area of more like fringe sound making and I guess maybe with some of the bands that you were involved in back in that era yep sure so um when I was in high school I was you know, jamming and playing in a few punk bands. And uh, that's the kind of background that I was uh, coming from, I guess. That's the music I was sort of interested in. But I was, uh, as I was finishing high school, I was more um, interested in more kind of art, art rock bands and um, and more sort of jazz and that sort of thing. So I started a band called uh, Ray of Creation in um, the early 90s. And we sort of played through to about 95 or so. And uh, they, were, they were kind of like an art rock progressive um instrumental band um you know four piece guitar drums bass and saxophone and uh we played around uh melbourne and a few uh, national shows um yeah for about five years and then i went overseas for a couple of years came back and we changed the lineup a few times um and that that members of that band went on to form another band um called high pass filter um so we kind of changed the lineup a few times then it just kind of naturally um petered out a bit uh and then uh, i formed uh, another duo band called imperial leather man um which uh involved one of the other members from rave creation and that was more of a a kind of improvised kraut rock sort of band um yeah we we played around for about 10 years i guess uh and then i took a break from music for quite a while probably five years or so and um got a little bit disillusioned um mm-hmm. Then came back and uh, started the Man from Atlantis project, and that initially started as a band, like a, a full band, three piece. Okay. Uh, we played as a three piece quite often, and then um, at times a duo, and then um, last five years it's been a solo project. How I, I was going to ask you that. I mean, when and I was going to save this maybe to talk more specifically about Man from Atlantis, but. When did that project uh, begin? How long have you been doing that? When it was a band? Uh, well, as a band, probably six or seven years. Okay. Six years, seven years. Yeah. Um, and then we had the lockdown, of course, so there was nothing going on during during that time. But um, yeah, it, it started about seven years ago, I guess. Okay. And I started write, writing the material for for that project initially as a um, as a kind of a you know with a band in mind, definitely as, as a kind of a a psych sort of noise type band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that you you were a bit disillusioned with music. What what brought you back to it? What what compelled you to pick up maybe the guitar again and start start playing? Uh, well, that's a good question. Actually, um, I, I was a little bit disillusioned with um, playing electric guitar um, and with where I was at with that. And I started playing a lot of acoustic, acoustic guitar, and that was when I started. Um, to um, come across a lot of the kind of, um, you know, American finger uh, finger style sort of primitive guitarists, mm-hmm. um, you know, introduced obviously by John Fahey and that, that sort of material and Basho. I'd, I'd been interested in that sort of stuff early on, but I kind of dabbled in it and then I sort of put it down and then came back to it a bit later. Um, I guess being introduced by um, artists like Jack Rose and that sort of stuff and then 
dived back into that material and then started playing acoustic guitar and um, just kind of honing the skills on that. Um, and then and then that's when I sort of started to um, get a little bit of interest again and, and you know, play some gigs and, and that sort of thing. So was that the first that you had really picked up an acoustic guitar? Was it always electric prior Pretty to that? much, yeah. I, I'd had one always lying around, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I was more of a strummer. Uh, a strummer sort of guitarist and 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 played a little bit of slide guitar but then i got really interested in the the finger picking style but you know couldn't uh couldn't play it to save to save me so um i just sort of practiced the the finger picking technique and um just through perseverance i guess uh you know developed a, a style which i was which i was more or less kind of happy with but you know still obviously developing it yeah yeah you know, a fair amount of the early releases on Ramble Records were, were things from your project, uh, The Man from Atlantis. And, you know, was the initial idea for Ramble Records to be kind of an outlet for your music, or were you always interested in publishing other artists' work too? A little bit of both. I mean, I was uh, it was initially an outlet for, for my own music. Um, and then I had in mind uh, a label where I was only going to uh, release uh, other artists of a similar sort of ilk as far as, um, you know, guitar sort of music or um, that sort of style music. But obviously that that changed quite quickly. But, yeah, initially it was an outlet for for my own material. Yeah, definitely. Did you have any prior experience, you know, going back to like the 90s era of publishing music or releasing stuff? Or is this kind of new territory for you? No, it was totally new territory. So I was sort of jumping in in the deep end but i always had the um the attitude that uh you know it was never it was never going to be like a, a money-making venture or anything like that so i had sort of nothing to lose and initially it was only going to be digital uh releases and maybe the odd um cassette or uh vinyl release but that that sort of changed quickly as mm-hmm. well yeah yeah you know well, over the past two years um man you've been pretty prolific uh, with the release schedule that you've maintained uh, for Ramble Records. I'm just blown away by the amount of stuff that you've put out. And you've even expanded the label to kind of include, uh, not say kind of, it includes a mail order arm too. That's a part of the operation. So, you know, I'm thinking these past few years have posed a number of challenges for people globally, of course, for a variety of reasons. But, you know, small independent labels have definitely... Uh, felt squeezed and felt a number of barriers in terms of pressing plant delays and international shipping restrictions and increasing costs. You know, we could go on and on here. So I'm kind of curious to hear, like, what has it been like to basically launch a new label under all of those circumstances? Do you want to just hit your head against the wall or what's that like? Yeah, look, it's definitely been challenging. um, That's for sure. Um, You know, for those reasons that you mentioned, um, Pressing plant delays have been uh, a nightmare and, uh, you know, trying um, to organise release dates and that sort of thing has been really difficult. I'm using a number of different pressing plants, so I've sort of um, I've found a way um, through that problem, but, you know, there's obviously the costs, costs involved in that and also um, I guess the, the shipping, um, shipping prices have probably been my largest ob- obstacle um, or, you know, that's been the biggest bane of my existence the last sort of couple of years, just keep continuing to go up and up. But fortunately, I've, um, you know, I've got some distribution in Europe um, and also in the US. So that's sort of helped with that a bit. But, you know, sending a, a 
one LP and, and charging someone 26 Australian dollars for one LP is, is, is crazy. And, you know, people complain about it a lot, but that's just the prices we get slugged with, you know. Right, right. And I know for the longest time too, like for us, we couldn't even get stuff to yeah, Australia. Right. Like it, things were shut down for the longest time. And I don't know yeah, what that was like going out. Same for you going out, mailing out. Yeah, I think the US USP or one of the, the American um, uh, shipping companies, we, we couldn't send stuff via them. And so we had to go for the more expensive um, option, um, you know, and then it was costing literally 24 Australian dollars to send one CD, which is crazy. So Yeah, total madness, isn't it? You mentioned you, you do have distribution now in the United States. Where where can people find like physical releases? Because that's been something I've been kind of. I know Carbon has had some. What are some Carbon of the has had some? Yeah, Carbon has had some, and, and Matt Himes from um, a label Home and mm-hmm. uh, Garden. He's going to be releasing. Um, he's going to be starting up his distribution company again. So they, he will be releasing on through his label, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we'll have a probably have an announcement in the next sort of four weeks or so where that you know where exactly they can find it but um, yeah well that's terrific be, that's good yeah, news for me associated be, with him. yeah because uh that's just right up the road so that's good news <laughs> for me oh yeah right. selfishly okay. that's good news i'll take that yeah, no. oh it's going to be a big help lots of people have um you know inquiring all the time and then also i don't have to worry about um vinyl being um destroyed on route as well which has happened quite a bit um right yeah well let's uh jump into this first block of music i thought we'd play some fairly recent releases that you put out uh including what i believe as of today <laughs> is the newest thing that you've put out it's an album from Storea derivnia and i hope i yep. pronounced right it's a, a brilliant new record called boulder blues and i was happy to see that you're putting out something from them because they had sent me some stuff maybe a half a year ago and i was blown away by this group and I guess, how did you stumble upon it, and how did you come to release this new record of theirs? Well, it's just one of the, the sort of many bands that I um, come across when I'm, um, you know, searching through, uh, you know, Bandcamp and, and other music blogs and that sort of stuff. And I came across them a couple of years ago, and uh, I, like likewise, I was really blown away um, by their material, and I was surprised that I'd never heard from them. And then uh, I contacted um, Gosha who's uh, more or less, I, I guess it's his his project, um, and he's based in the UK. And uh, I said, look, I'm really, really enjoying your music, you know, would you be interested in releasing some on the label? And he was very receptive. And, yeah, first of all, we released a, a compilation of material um, last year. Uh, no, sorry, early in the year. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we, we just released Boulder Blues. But, um, they're, yeah, they're a wonderful band. Yeah, and, uh, they, they play a lot uh, around Europe as well, and they're very, very visual as well. And really, it's um, quite a large ensemble playing in this group too. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and if you jump on and have a look at any any of their um, live, um, you know, footage, they they have a really wonderful visually live live show with you know artwork and then lots of projections and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's jump into a track from this one and a few other new ones. Uh, this is a track called Tangled Hands. Стихрук, 
earth is a hapless feather And we'll be together again There'll be no end, there'll be no end Just a passing thought We'd forgotten, happy nothing The December walk Across the sand and bands of pebble In blood rust strips who can muster direct words on days like this? There'll be no why, there'll be no end, just a guarded fear, which all the captives will not draw near. Breton Field, a listening lane, Stockholm with snow and ice, and that's the Alpine Trail. There is a helical war If you change your mind These daily courses are finite But they keep us alive Ne pensons pas nos paroles. Les paroles arrivent au fur et à mesure où nous les pensons, et même peut-être sont nos paroles qui nous font penser. Well, a few of the things that I've been quite impressed by with with how you've developed Ramble Records is just like the sheer scope of music uh, that you've released, and how wildly international the roster of artists is that you've worked with. Um, you know, in terms of how you've gone about releasing music on the label so far, and you, you mentioned in the last break, you know, kind of poking around band camp and stuff like that. Uh, has this been like you reaching out to artists that you've wanted to work with? Or are you someone that is kind of like sifting through a lot of demo submissions that have come your way that, that has resulted in releases that you've done? Yeah, uh, a bit of both, actually. Um, there's a few artists that I'd been interested in um, releasing um, that I've reached out to and, and you know, I was just kind of, um, you know, amazed that uh, you know, a lot of them were receptive. You know, for instance, you know, you often get people, um, you often send emails to people and never hear from them again. Like, you know, like I reached out to Eugene Shadbourne. I'd always wanted to release um, the Shockabilly albums um, and he was really receptive and um i'm going to be releasing some of his material um but uh, i also sift through some um you know demos and things that people um send me and um as far as some of the other countries um you know i'm always looking at different areas that are a bit sort of uh unmined um uh, and a bit unrepresented particularly in my side of the world in Southeast Asia, there's quite a, a big uh, underground community in um, you know areas like Thailand, Singapore, Malaysia, and so I sort of deliberately went out of my way to, to sort of sift through some of their underground music. A lot, of, a lot of stuff coming out of South America that I was really interested in, and I have been sort of for a long time, and then just found that there was just so much fantastic music that that uh, was going unreleased or unrecognized or or unpublished. So. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that was. I was going to ask you that because there are some specific regions of the world that you focused on. You've mentioned two of them, also maybe like the Eastern Bloc of Europe. And I was just wondering, aside from just your own personal interests of the music, I mean, do you have any other connections? Have you traveled to some of those places? 
Uh, I've travelled a little bit to the Eastern Bloc area, but I, I don't have any any great connections. But probably, like you said, I, I'm really interested and have always been in music from that area. Uh, and then, you know, diving in, finding that there's just this incredible, uh, you know, music coming out of areas like Estonia and, and you know, um, just was amazed. So, but I, I don't, never really had a kind of, you know, connection there as, as such. Right, right. Well, you know, this is maybe kind of just a continuation of that question is that, you know, as you've gotten deeper into running the label, what are some like new discoveries, even in the last maybe half year uh, that you've made that has gotten you kind of excited, uh, you know, maybe about a particular sound or even region of the world or even maybe just an artist in general? Have there been some new things even recently that have just kind of like blown your mind to a certain degree? Yeah, definitely. There's... um well, coming out of Finland, there's quite a lot of interesting music coming out of uh, Finland, um, releasing a, a jazz kind of album. I guess it's a jazz improv album called um, Cut Beatles Quartet. And they've teamed up, uh, they're from Finland, they've teamed up with um, American saxophone player called Rodney Chapman. Um, so that was quite interesting. And I, I sort of came across them because I released um, Heike Rakanagas. Uh, he's a guitarist from Finland. He's a really fantastic um, avant-garde guitarist, and I'm um, releasing an album of his with uh, an American um, multi-instrumentalist instrumentalist called Landon George. I don't know whether you've heard of him. The name rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah, he does a lot of improv sort of stuff. Um, so there too, Finland um, is an area that I was really interested in because I'd never really heard that much music come out of there. Um, and then uh, South Africa, there's a great um, little underground community coming out of Durban in South Africa. Um, I don't know whether you've heard um, Seven Rivers of Fire. Mm-mm. He's like, uh, you know, um, William Randall is the, the name of the, he's the guy that has that project. And it's just kind of uh, finger-picking sort of pastoral folk with a big sort of psych element. And he had an album called, um, oh, I can't remember now. It's, <laughs> That's okay. It's got, a men- got a mental blank, but it's a double album. And I was really interested in that. And also um, Duncan Park, um, and, and they're involved in, a, in three or four projects together. And we released one of his CDs called In the F- Flood Pain of Dreams and on Invoking the Flood. Uh, and I just thought there was a really great community of uh, underground mu- musicians coming out of there. So I was quite surprised at that. And then, uh, you know, you've got um, Southeast Asia where there's a, in Thailand, there's a an underground um group of musicians, particularly in Bangkok. Um, and I came across a, a guitarist called Menup Nekunchai, <clears throat> excuse me, who I released some stuff of. So I think there's, uh, yeah, there's some really interesting areas uh, there that are releasing music in, in China also. Um, there's a guitarist called Jin Hung Lee that I released an album called Ferns of, and I'll be releasing some more material, but he's doing some really uh, fascinating noise uh, guitar um, stuff, yeah. There's there's just wonderful music coming out. From never there. ending, right? Never ending. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And I suppose for you, it's a matter of you discover some of these artists and release some of their stuff, which results in other connections that are being tipped off to you through those artists. That's probably like kind of following that web of connection. Yeah, that's right. And also, I think what's been nice is that um, a lot of those artists from different regions have actually collaborated. So I've put sort of a few artists, um, you know, have, have come across one another and, you know, have collaborated uh, together. There's um, a wonderful um, 
duo in uh, Greece called Vestilaraps, and they're two guitarists, um, Gianaris Arapis and um, Themis Fasulo, and they um, they've teamed up with with a number of different um, guitarists from around the world, and it just uh, you know one of them particularly Gianaris Gian- uh, made an al- album with Kwell. Uh, who's a Japanese minimalist guitarist who I released. So, you know, it's nice to see that the the sort of community is growing and, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what it feels like. And that's that's one of the, you know, the reasons uh, behind the label that I sort of wanted to develop this, you know, community of um, like-minded um, artists and, and and also extending that to, to labels, other labels that I've, you know, been involved with as well. Yeah, nice segue there because I wanted to ask you about just the mail order side that you're doing and, uh, clearly, you're trying to stock specific labels that interest you and artists, maybe things that are not as readily available in Australia. Um, maybe just uh, in a brief description of some of the things that you're stocking and what you've been seeking out uh, to kind of develop that piece of, of your operation. Yeah, look, um, there's a few in the States and Canada. Um, Electro Hash, I've done some collaborations with um, they're uh, releasing kind of psych sort of um, material, more on the heavier side. Um, and Noise Agony Mayhem is a Canadian label that um, is releasing sort of similar material. So that's sort of covering the, the heavier sort of side of it. And then um, there's uh, uh, quite a few jazz labels that I um, uh, mail order, and that's um, um, Fidelity. They're a, uh, another jazz uh, improv sort of label. Um, uh, Tour de Brass is a, a label in Canada, and they're releasing uh, improvised material. So there's a few uh, labels from the improvised sort of front. Them um, and Archives is another one based in France. They do mainly Japanese improvised material. Um, Tall Grass Records, another Japanese label. Um, Husky Pants is um, a label in Chicago uh, that I'm releasing material from. So I guess it's a, a real mixture of um, jazz, Im- improvisation, psych, um, and more underground sort of material, mm-hmm. smaller labels. There's a few from Chicago, um, and there's a couple from the UK. Discus Music is, is a long-running mm-hmm. improv label. Moonlight Cypress Archetypes is one of the more interesting ones from uh, Tennessee. Um, I don't know whether you've come across them, but they combine um, free improv with, with kind of... Um, you know, really old, older soul country music and finger picking and um, and and doom. So that that's a really interesting combination. Yeah, look, I sort of just reached out to quite a few labels. Not only that, the ones that I liked myself, but I thought that um, it'd be it'd be uh, interesting having some of them available in mm-hmm. Australia, which which none of them were at the time. Right, right. Well, I, I wanted to ask you a question that you've sort of already addressed to a certain degree, and, and you said that when you started off, you were interested and developing a label that was sort of guitar centered to, to a certain degree. And I think one of the things that I find interesting about what you've done is, you know, I know a lot of guitar oriented labels will often like, it'll be like American primitive style finger picking stuff. And that's sort of like the bulk of what it is. But what's interesting is what you are presenting a lot of it. I mean, sort of the consistent through line with the label is guitar playing, 
but it's sort of presented as all these like wildly different possibilities for how one can play a guitar, how it can be used and misused <laughs> in a variety of ways. And I guess for you as a guitar player, I mean, is that something that you were drawn to and in, in showcasing with your label, like how a guitar can be played in all these different ways? Yeah, I think uh, I've always been really drawn to um, guitarists that, um, you know, not only have a unique style, but, you know, there's, there's flashy guitarists, sure, and um, and that sort of thing. But I was always more interested in um, more the sonics, um, you know, the sound, the composition, and that sort of thing, rather than, than technique. And, and um, you know, when you have um, guitarists that are, that are, using it um, percussively and that sort of thing. That's always sort of been an interest um, for me, um, whether I'm, um, you know, acoustic or, or electric, just making, you know, drone drone sort of sounds. So that yeah, that's still definitely always been an interest um, yeah. as a guitarist. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought in this next block of music I would play uh, guitar records, but all of them in a very, very different style and a different approach. And I thought we would start with maybe the most far-flung of all of them, which is this Seth Andrew Davis record called Four Electroacoustic Guitar, which, of course, this is almost like electroacoustic uh, composition. It sounds like, uh, you know, Pierre Shea, or, you know, I don't know, Pierre Henry, perhaps, more than a guitar record. Yeah. But uh, maybe just set this one up, because it's, an, I mean, he has more of an academic background and was creating stuff from, like, Max, uh, or, uh, yeah, Max XP or whatever it is, and uh, creating kind of his own uh, technical kit uh, to sort of run his guitar through and created this wacky, wacky sound. And we'll, we'll set it up here. But I thought maybe I'd have you just describe it a little bit. Yeah, well, Seth, uh, a lot of those compositions uh, were written, I think, during one of his um, final uh, years uh, at university. And yeah, like you said, he he built a, a setup, um, you know, that that runs uh, his guitar through. So it's a, a very processed sort of sound, I guess you could say, in some ways. But um, yeah, look, really interesting uh, free improv guitarist. You know, very he's very technical guitarist, but really interesting. And he's he's from the Kansas City area, and he actually plays a lot of gigs. And um, I came across him through um, another improviser called Reed Karras, um through a similar area. And um, and Seth reached out to me and said, you know, I'm a friend of Reed's, and this is um, this is what I do. And I listened to it, and um, yeah, I was really blown away. I guess sort of coming from it in a similar way that someone like uh, Henry Kaiser. Um, um, distort some of his guitar um, sounds so you know they're not often sounding like guitar but yeah very very fascinating guitarist yeah yeah and kind of inspired by the anthony braxton uh the the solo uh album that he did so each piece was dedicated to a certain artist that influenced him and uh, i'm going to play the track here this is called for roland kane again this is seth andrew davis Let's <laughs> go. 
I wanted to discuss uh, your music under the name The Man from Atlantis just a bit further. We had talked briefly in the in that opening segment, um, and, and you had talked about it being a group for a short period of time, and now it's more of a a solo project. So obviously things have changed, but I guess maybe in the in, in the more recent output that you've done, uh, you know. What are some other things that you've noticed have started to evolve uh, with this project? Thinking of maybe your most recent releases, like, say, uh, The Gates Are Closing. Uh, I guess with that, there's more influence from um, Indian classical music, which um, I'm studying at the moment. Um, so I guess I'm bringing that element into it. There's a fair bit of Weissenborn guitar, which um, you know I use uh, as like an Indian slide guitar. So there's definitely that that influence, um, and there's more sort of soundscapey um, type arrangements rather than songs on that particular release. Yeah, look, I've got a, a couple of different, um, wouldn't say projects, but areas that that interest me when I'm releasing material from the man from Atlantis, uh, and you know I've got one album that's going to be coming out later in this year called. Um, songs of ordinary sadness and that that's more um outside of folk psych folk so they're actual song songs um which is kind of rare for me so that that's probably an album that i'll um you know I'll, i've i can um i'm happy of of completed and written and then i'll probably leave that alone for a while uh, the kind of songs and then there's um there's more um louder kind of psych improvised um albums that I've got sort of tucked away with collaborations with a few guitarists. But uh, it's just, I think it's just really evolving naturally. And, and I'm sort of fortunate to be in the position where, because I have the label um, and I'm in contact with so many wonderful musicians all the time, I'm not only influenced by them, but I'm also able to collaborate with some of them when they're uh, available. So that's really influenced the kind of um, the, the direction of that project, I think. When you say that the outsider folk sounding one with vocals too, I must. I'm yeah, assuming. that's right. Yeah. Okay. And I, I'm I'm a really I'm a reluctant vocalist because um, I've always come from a guitar, you know, a songwriting sort of guitarist sort of background. But but I perform um, these days probably half half a set with with vocals and and half not. Sometimes if it's a venue that's more folky sort of venue, I'll do a whole set of sort of vocal um, arrangements, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you in our email prior to, to chatting here today, you had mentioned that you had done a, a recent live performance. And I was just wondering if, if that's something, are you out and performing fairly regularly in Melbourne? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, the last six months I've started performing again prior to that, you know, with the lockdown, we were locked down for a long time here in Melbourne, you know, nearly mm-hmm. two years. So I had... I did a lot of gigs before that in the, the the two years before the lockdown. I was playing regularly, and then I actually had uh, a lot lined up for that first year of the lockdown. And then coming out of lockdown, it's taken a long time to to you know book all the gigs again with, with all the venues backlogged with gigs. So mm-hmm. yeah, playing in Melbourne, and then I played in another state um, called uh, Adelaide um, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm looking to sort of play quite regularly. It's always a challenge to find. Um, venues uh suitable venues really um you know there there is a couple of improvised well there's one main improvised venue here but i'm kind of just not that 
weird to play at the improvised venue, but I'm too weird to play at um, some of the standard venues. So I have to, um, you know. You can't get by at like the uh, local folk night or open stage. No, not at all. No. (laughs) What's it been like? I mean, are are clubs and live music sort of rebounding in Melbourne? Are you seeing sort of that slow return to it? Because that seems to be the case with what I'm seeing here, like people are certainly itching to get out, but it seems like the crowd size, it's noticeable. It's different than what it was prior. Yeah, look, there's definitely been a, a noticeable um, drop in crowd size. The, the venues are obviously itching um, to get out because they were the last ones to fully open up and they, they had a limited capacity for a long time, so they were losing you know, loads of money. But now that they're open, um, this is definitely a noticeable um you know, drop in numbers, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. But I think people are just cautious, you know, about getting back out. And we have quite rampant numbers in COVID at the moment because they've just let it sort of run loose. So, yep. um, yeah. Yeah, we're seeing the same thing here as well. You know, are, are you finding uh, with the area of music that you're documenting with the label and that you're playing? I mean, is there, have you found a receptive audience uh, in, in your area? There is. Um, it's quite small. I mean, you know, it's just a very small population here. Um, I, I've got a bigger audience, really, um, abroad. Mm-hmm. I've, got, I've got to say, yeah, I think there's, there's a there's a market here and there's an audience here, but it's just a small small audience, you know, um, compared to Europe and, and America. Yeah. And I generally get more interest um, from both those places than than I do here. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought maybe to, to wrap things up here, do you want to just briefly mention some of the plans that you have in the works for maybe the, the second half of the, or the remainder of the year for Ramble Records? And, and maybe you mentioned a few things for Man from Atlantis, but things that you have planned for kind of both of those projects for the rest of 2022. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, as I mentioned, um, oh, yeah, the Seven Rivers of Fire um, released it. I don't remember it's called Hail Star of the of the Sea, and um, that's a double release. So these are all coming out in the later part of the year. Uh, got a jazz guitarist from um, Belgium called Julian Tassen. Um, there's up there's more uh, material from Ernesto Diaz Infante coming out, um, which I'm really excited about. These are all the guitar guitar related releases. Mm-hmm. Um, Ross Hammond, who's a guitarist from um, California. Um, Finger-picking 12-style, 12 12-string 12 guitar. Um, Luciano Bagnasco is a, a free improv, improv guitarist that I'm releasing. And Buck Curran, are you familiar with Buck Curran's material at all? He's a... Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm re-releasing his Immortal Light LP. Um, I think he's based in uh, Europe somewhere now. Um, yeah, and then I've got um, the, Thai, the Thai guitarist, Manop Nakanchai. Uh, and then... Um, in the next two months, I have uh, Manish Pinglay. He's the um, Indian slide guitarist that I'm releasing. He's also my um, guitar teacher, and I'm mm. trying to get him to tour out here in Australia, which would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, he's a he's a really um, fantastic um, you know, um, Indian slide guitarist playing in um, traditional sort of classical, Indian classical um, style. And as far as the psych sort of releases, I've got a Polish artist called AJ Kaufman, who's released a, a lot of material under different um, names. Um, more material from um, the Greek connection, Gianna Serapis, and um, their band Ramdat. Um, 
Yeah, and then from the States, I've got a lot too. Matt Himes, I've got more material coming out from him. Dan Pell is another kind of um, outsider um, picker. Uh, Holding Pattern is a project by Steve Palmer and Matt Beachley. I don't know whether you've come across mm-hmm. those guys. Oh, I know those guys, yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, look, there's a lot. And as far as my material, um, I've got uh, a release coming out um, that I mentioned before, the, the vocal outsider one. Tales of Ordinary Sadness, but I've also got um, a release called Golden Light coming out, which has got um, guest guitarists mainly from the States. Um, Chris Kruger, a free improv, improv guitarist from the States. Heike from uh, Finland, Giannis from Greece. Um, Ernesto plays on it. Um, and Chris Elford, um, which I think you're going to play f- mm-hmm. um, some material from. So I've got five really wonderful um guest guitarist on it and that that's uh that was originally written as one long piece um and then i i broke it up into five um you know five smaller smaller movements i guess you call them sure and had all of those guitarists in mind um i wanted to get five guest guitarists and so i sort of picked each one of those specifically for for the movement so i'm really looking forward to that one mm-hmm. coming out uh, and, and then i've got uh another released with a collaboration with Camilla Nebia, who's an Argentinian jazz saxophone player, and Simo Linehan, who's a Finnish drummer, and that's called Blues for Archie Ship. And that's um, just, it's kind of like a, a soundscapey free, om- free improv psych album, and that, that's, you know, come out probably later in the year. Yeah. I mean, geez, that's it? My gosh, mate, come on. Pick up the pace. <laughs> there's, more, there's more, but uh, <laughs> look, there's a whole list, and, and it'll, a lot of it will probably won't come out to next year yeah adapt as you go um, along and then, then there's a whole lot of south south american stuff too material yeah. but um yeah you can we'll, we'll give us something to, to look I'm... forward to yeah, stuff to look forward <laughs> exactly. to yeah. Yeah. well we're going to start this next block here in our last block of music uh, i'm going to play a pair of tracks from uh the man from atlantis one uh the 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 title cut from the gates are closing instrumental and then we will play a vocal track the the wondering star uh, Love and Outer Space from your Volume 1 release. And then we'll dip back into the catalog and play some other things as well. But, Mike, thanks so much for taking the time. I'm glad we could coordinate our very different time zones to make this work. Yeah, look, thanks a lot for having me, and uh, thanks for uh, the interest in the label. Really oh, appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been a lot of fun uh, diving into the catalog. I feel like I'm, as much as we're able to play on the show, I know I'm only scratching the surface, so uh, hopefully people will... Uh, Take, take a listen and, and dig in deep because I've had a lot of fun uh, digging into this music. So thanks again. I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Yeah. Here again is The Man from Atlantis and the Gates Are Closing.
That's going to bring things to an end for this installment of the show. I'd like to thank Mike once again for taking the time to chat with me. If you'd like to check out the complete playlist for this episode, you can head over to our website at freeformfreakout.com. There are links that will bring you to each of the releases played and where you can purchase either digital or physical copies. I also recommend that you check out ramblerecords.com where you can peruse all of the different releases that they carry from both the label and mail order side of things. As always, I encourage you to support these artists and Ramble Records directly as much as you can. If you have any questions or comments, you can always get in touch with me at fffreakout at hotmail.com. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another new episode. Until then, thanks so much for listening, and we'll let Duncan Park take it out.